Hello, thank you for downloading this episode of the Final Third Podcast. We have an incredible, incredible episode for you guys today. We go really in-depth into the AFCON group stage, talk about the big winners and the big losers there, and really preview the knockout stage. And then we go over some of the biggest games this past week and really talk about the direction that a lot of clubs are going. Clubs like Barcelona, Manchester United, and Arsenal. We have a very heated discussion about Mikel Arteta at the end of the episode, so you definitely want to stay for that. All right, give us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Uh, Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. It's Monday. It's our news and predictions episode, where we talk about the biggest news and games happening or are going to happen in the soccer world either on and off the field for that news uh yeah my name is aj tapura i'm one of your co-hosts fan of west ham united which i don't want to talk about but we will later on in this episode minnesota united and the u.s national teams and i'm joined by someone who uh is very happy with chelsea's performance but very very disappointed in the packers performance jack how are you doing nah no i Here's the thing. I haven't really cared about the Packers since a certain someone on that team did something very stupid. Uh, uh, yes. But yeah, it, it was still it was still kind of embarrassing for the Packers to do that. But yeah. It, either it, way. <laughs> yeah, but b- better for uh, your, you know, your football team, the real football. Yeah. Chelsea. Oh, yeah. And we're also going to talk about that game uh, today as well. Uh, and just as a general overview for people who might not be familiar with how this episode, Monday episode, works, we're going to go over a couple of really big stories, including some games that have happened this past week, and you know, talk in depth about them, go all across the world, but uh, a lot of English news, I, I guess. We haven't really focused on England too much in the past couple of weeks. A lot of Serie A and La Liga in the past couple of weeks, if I'm going to be honest, so... You know, going to talk about the Premier League and some other English teams as well. Jack, are you ready to talk about not just the English teams, but a bunch of other things as well? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. Before we do that, Twitter, Instagram, our website, go follow or go on that. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at Final Third Show and our website, FinalThirdShow.com. All links will be down below. Give them a follow and talk to us. All right. The first story is... AFCON, the Africa Cup of Nations, has been very crazy. A lot of controversy with the pitch, with COVID tests, with referees blowing the whistle a bit too early and kind of screwing things up. But all that pales into comparison to some of the craziness that's actually been happening on the field. So, Jack, I think it's a good idea now that the group stage has concluded and now we're rolling to the round of 16. Some of those games have happened just today to go over the group stage and talk about where all of these teams stand. So, Jack, how about we go over that group stage, and I'll let you uh, take it away with uh, this review of each of these groups. I'm guessing then let's start at the top with Group A. Yeah, of course. Uh, in this one, we had Cameroon, Burkina Faso, Cape Verde, and Ethiopia. Cameroon and Burkina Faso go through. Cameroon won two of their games and drew one, they drew against Cape Verde, uh, beat the other two, Ethiopia 4-1, to one, Burkina Faso 2-1. to one. They were hosting this tournament, and they've yeah. been doing really well, I think. Uh, like, you know, seven goals scored. I think that that's 
that that is the highest uh, it, goal it is the highest by any, and, and by any one team yeah part of that is because of vincent abubakar who is the leading goal scorer in this competition with five goals i've tweeted this back when they concluded their last game but he has been key for them and i think I don't know, he, he's not he's not completely old i wouldn't be surprised if a, a big five team maybe makes a bid for him after the, this tournament he's been really good cameroon obviously are used to the climate used to the field so they have that inherent home field advantage and you mentioned cameroon and burkina faso going on cape verde also qualified directly because of their third place finish being the the fourth best of the sixth third place teams yeah i mean uh cape verde definitely impressed a lot of people i think during this tournament we uh or specifically you highlighted them uh before right. this tournament as they play pretty exciting counter-attacking play and they they did pretty well you know got that draw against cameroon uh lost against burkina faso you know they yeah. they 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 had a lot more possession in that game which is kind of interesting that the games they seem to do worse in are the ones where they have more possession. Uh, I'm just looking through them. Yeah, it, it, they they seem to not be as confident in, in themselves when they have more possession, which is kind mm-hmm. of strange, kind of goes against things, but it just shows you how ingrained that counterattacking mentality is. Burkina Faso, you know, they, they've had, they're one of the teams that have played a knockout round. Incredible penalty shootout. I'm not sure if you watched it, AJ, but... It, it was it was quite a, it was quite a shootout. It went to eight takers for Burkina Faso. Let me let nine. My bad. Nine takers. Right, yeah. And ten or no, still nine. Still nine for Gamon. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to read my notes here. I. I. It's all scribbled on a piece of paper. Um. But yeah. Uh. Burkina Faso won that in a in a pretty impressive shootout. That that group has. Some of the more impressive teams, I think, yeah. that advanced to the round of 16, you know, looking back after the group stage, I, I'd say that that is like the probably the most powerful group, the the most stacked group in terms of mm-hmm. of contenders for winning a trophy. Yeah, I think Cameroon right now, at least, is the out and out favorite to win this tournament, A, because they, you know, they have home field advantage, but I think you know, on the field, they have been the best team of this tournament with all those goals scored. I'm really curious to see how uh, their round of 16 game goes because, you know, as we've seen with another team that's already played, just because you play well doesn't necessarily mean that that will translate to a a knockout round success. So (laughs) and we'll talk about that uh, in the next coming group stage reviews. But yeah. Jack, why don't you take us away to Group B, where one of your teams that you are supporting uh, has topped the group. The the team that I'm supporting, I think, yeah, I think I guess, is, yeah. is is the word to say. Uh, Senegal, Guinea, Malawi, and Zimbabwe were in this group. This is the most even group. Uh, the the point difference between the teams, uh, two from fourth to first place. Pretty pretty impressive. Pretty equitable group. Senegal, of course, were hard hit before this tournament even began with a COVID outbreak, uh, but they, they still did top their group, maybe not in as impressive of a fashion that they yeah. would have liked to, but they showed that their defense is by far the best in this tournament, conceding zero goals, the only team to nice. do so, but not really showing the true potential of their attack as they also scored uh, not quite the least amount of goals, but pretty close to it. 
uh, with one. So their goal differential is plus one because of one goal scored and zero conceded. They they beat they beat the bottom team in their group. They beat Zimbabwe, and then they drew zero zero to both the other teams. They did well, but could have done better maybe without the COVID outbreak. Guinea did did pretty well as well, uh, except for their last game. They really had an opportunity to win this group. Actually, if they were able to beat Zimbabwe, who was at the bottom of the group at this point in time, zero points, they would have they would they would have won the group. But they actually lost to Zimbabwe, which shows you how equal this group really was. Right. Yeah. It, it, it was pretty impressive all around be, uh, for, for them. You know, good performance against Malawi, who were kind of a surprising team, I think, to have made it out of this group. Yeah. Uh, I think I had them in dead last when, when, we, did, when, we, uh, when we did this. And I was, I was saying it's not going to even be close, but uh, that, that prediction didn't turn out quite so well. This group, by far, the most evenly matched, which is not what I think anyone really would have thought going into this tournament yeah i mean i, I i'll toot my own own horn here i guessed it completely correctly you got group a completely correctly uh so congratulations there but yeah very evenly matched i i would say that senegal did really disappoint me because i was expecting them to come out guns blazing i expected Mane to be golden boot winner you and i both thought that yep and there, there's still a chance that does happen they're still in the competition but if you're a Senegal fan, you have to be kind of, you know, scratching your beard here, like trying to wonder what's going on. And I think what happens in the knockout rounds is going to kind of define them as a team and define whether or not they actually lived up to expectations here. I'd say that Senegal, if they don't at least reach make at least make the semifinals, this has to be seen as a disappointment. So, Jack, are you still confident that Senegal is going to win this tournament because you have them as your favorites to win AFCON 2021. Yeah, I think so. And the reason why is most of their players who were out due to COVID have returned now. Uh, you know, they, it's been past that 10-day period uh, of, of quarantining. You know, Edward Mendy returned to the side for the last group stage game. Mm -hmm. So they, they're definitely in a little bit of a better position now. And I, I think they'll still do pretty well. Yes, yeah, Senegal, I think, should still be fine and should still advance pretty far in this tournament. They, they have Cape Verde next, which isn't, which isn't easy, but it's also not the most difficult matchup they right. could have gotten. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other side of the bracket there, they've got Mali or Equatorial Guinea, which also, you know, uh, anyone can beat anyone in, in this tournament, obviously but also not the strongest teams necessarily. Yeah, and, uh, and even it, going further than that, in the semifinal, they'd have to play the winner of either Burkina Faso or Tunisia. So it, it, It's not necessarily saying like these are bad teams, but they compared to the other side of the bracket, right. they've definitely gotten an easier draw and an easier road to the final. All right, okay. Well, let's talk about some of the other teams that made it to that knockout round. Uh, let's talk about Group C, Jack. Yeah, well, this one <laughs> did not finish even close to how I thought it was. Yeah, uh, we both guessed the, the same way, and it was pretty much completely wrong. Completely yeah, wrong. Uh, Ghana were 
arguably the most disappointing team of the entire tournament. I'd, I'd put one uh, actually, more never team. Mind, never yeah. mind, never <laughs> mind. I, I, I'm going to amend that. Ghana were still one of the more disappointing teams yeah. of the tournament. Second, regardless. second worst. Second worst. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, their first game, you know, they lost 1-0 to zero to Morocco, which no shame in that, really. They kept Morocco yeah. out for 80 minutes. Pretty good. Uh, drew 1-1 to Gabon. That's fine. Uh, then, then they lost to Comoros in a two to three game, uh, where, you know, they, they, they never had the lead in this game and they conceded in the first four minutes. And and keep in mind that Comoros, this is their first ever AFCON. They have not scored a goal in AFCON ever until they played Ghana. If that tells you anything about what happened (laughs) in that game. Like, like Ghana, I, I, I remember seeing reports about how, I think it was Andre Ayew was saying, like, oh, like, we're, we're a big team, like, uh, uh, Gabon, whatever, Morocco, whatever, we're going to win this last game. And if that mentality is anything reflective of how the other teammates have felt uh, going into this game, then it shows that there's a little bit of arrogance for this Ghana side, whether it's in the coaching staff or, or with the players, to kind of overlook Comoros and not give it their all and that all obviously ended up costing them with this very very embarrassing loss embarrassing exit to a team that you know should have been qualifying to at least the round of 16. The funniest part of that though is that Andre Ayu had one of the worst performances in this tournament oh yeah by far in this game in that he got a straight red card after 25 minutes Jeez. uh so you know that I mean, given that they only lost two to three in this game, you know, still is kind of good considering they were playing with 10 men. But sure. Still, uh, if it, it, this team had never scored before. Like this is that was pretty bad. Um, and plus, this team is just studded with stars, really. Uh, maybe maybe not as big of names as like Senegal or Morocco. But, you know, you've still got uh, Daniel Amarte, Thomas Partey. Uh, Jordan and Andre Ayew, like there, there shouldn't really be any excuses for this team not making it to the round of 16, but yet here we are <laughs> finishing dead last. Yeah. Can we highlight Morocco as well? You know, going from one yeah. very bad team, team that's very good. I, I, one of the questions I levied towards them was, can they get a good creative attack going even without Hakim Ziyech on their team? And I think the answer is obviously yes. Scoring five goals, one one of the better performances uh, of in the group stage for a team attacking wise. So I, I've been pretty pleasantly surprised by them and how they've done. Whether or not that makes them a favorite, I personally wouldn't think so. But Jack, would you say that Morocco did pretty well in this group overall? Yeah, I I, I think so. Uh, their last game against Gabon was kind of disappointing. I think yeah. for for Morocco fans, an own goal to kind of put some yeah. pressure on them was kind of tough. Yeah, that that would. But Hakimi came up big for them. Uh, right. Yeah. So I I still think that they probably would have done a lot better with Ziyech here. You know, only oh, yeah, beating Ghana by one to zero uh, with a late goal, uh, beating Comoros two to zero, and with a late late goal in that one as well. Mm-hmm. They probably could have done better and at creating chances had they had like, you know, a, a, a full team with one of their best players, uh, but not not the case in this one. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to look 
for the stat for chances created. They they still created like the third most chances in this uh-huh. tournament. But, you know, part of me keeps thinking, is there a chance that they would have created even more had they, uh, you know, had arguably one of the most creative players mm-hmm. uh, left off any roster with them? Yeah. And I also want to highlight Gabon before we move on to the next group as well. They, like Jack said, they played Burkina Faso. It went to penalties, ended up uh, costing them at the end because Gabon, you know, you know, it's, it's good that they made it. I, I personally wasn't really expecting them to uh, be one, one of the people, one of the teams to make it forward or, or at least not perform in the way that they did. And so I was pleasantly surprised. You know, Burkina Faso, that's a tough match, but I, I thought that they could challenge. Let's talk about two teams that, you know, are, are giants in Africa, Nigeria and Egypt in Group D. Jack, take it away. Yeah, well, uh, this group featured one of the only, actually not one of, the only team to finish the group stage perfectly in Nigeria. They won all three of their games, scored six goals, conceded one pretty good performance in the group stage. Um this is what we were hint or what AJ was hinting at in group stage success doesn't necessarily mean knockout success though, because yes. they got taken out by Tunisia and they finished third place in yeah, their group. You know, there there's there there's a lot of there's a lot of things that that kind of went wrong in that game for them, but ultimately Nigeria uh did leave out quite a few big names from their squad. Some injury enforced, some for some unknown reasons. Uh, sure. really, but you know, it, it, it shows that they fired their manager before this tournament. It finally started to show, you know, through the group stage, I was like, Oh, it really doesn't matter. And then it all hit at once. And, <laughs> um, a team that did really well last AFCON, I believe they were, I, I can't remember if they made it to the final or semifinal, but they, they made it pretty mm-hmm. far in, uh, to the tournament did not get eliminated at the round of 16 point this time. Uh, so definitely not great for them. Good group stage performance, but sometimes you can't overcome that, uh, that lack of leadership from a manager. Yeah. And I think that also kind of showed with how the players performed out there. It kind of looked like they just walked on for a paycheck or they just, there just wasn't any desire with them. Alex Iwobi, especially, I don't think had a very good game at all. And it, it, it cost them at the end. And this is, to toot my horn, horn once again, I had Nigeria as my disappointing team of the tournament. And I'll say that that uh, was a good prediction overall because obviously, even after a good group stage, bowing out in the round of 16 with the amount of talent that they have on their team, manager or no manager, is quite quite the disappointing run if i do say so myself so nigeria officially out but also in this group is jack's pick for most disappointing team and they they have yet to play uh, their round of 16 game so we don't know if that how that's gonna go but overall not the the best showing from egypt jack would you say definitely not uh they they've scored two goals and conceded one uh Every single game they've played in has been one to zero. Yeah. They lost Nigeria one to zero. And then they barely beat Guinea Bissau one to zero. Uh, it was a solid goal in that one, right? That that did mm-hmm. it. And they barely beat Sudan, who 
have not been on good form and have not won a match since uh, beating South Africa in March 2021. So almost a year without winning a match they've gone. Uh And it it took it. It it was one goal that they were able to beat them by. Uh, Sudan conceded four goals throughout this group stage, uh, got one point from a zero zero draw. So, you know, the fact that Nigeria was able to kind of put some damage on on Sudan, but Egypt wasn't quite doing the same thing is kind of showing why I, I said they would be a bit disappointing. Like, yes, they have some big names. And yes, uh, Egypt has traditionally been a pretty good team in Africa. But I do think that their team, besides Salah, is getting pretty old and is not looking as good as they once were. Right. Uh, And even then, Salah hasn't had the best tournament ever. You know, I one of one of the reasons why I was why I was thinking you know, Egypt wasn't going to be incredible was because I didn't think they were going to get a ton of service to Salah. And that seems to be the case. You know, he, he's only scored once. Mm-hmm. Uh, hasn't had any assists either. Kind of an, an okay performance from him, but not anything fantastic. So, uh, right. yeah, I, I think they, they still look kind of disappointing. And they play against Ivory Coast in the round of 16. So... We'll we'll see about that. What happens next? Yeah, we we will see because that's not a that's not really filling me with any any hope for this team. Even though I did predict that they would most likely make it to at least the quarterfinals or semifinals. So hopefully for for for, for my money, they go on forward. Uh, Sudan and Guinea Bissau only got one point. Not not a very uh, great showing for them. But I guess when you are paired against two giants, it's kind of what you expect. Uh, next is quite the upset of a group, Group E, <laughs> featuring the likes of the Ivory Coast, Algeria, Sierra Leone, and Equatorial Guinea. Jack, this is this did not also did not end up going anywhere near what we thought it was going to end up like. Jack, talk about Group E. Yeah, well, um, the order of this group finishing was Algeria, Sierra Leone, Equatorial Guinea, and Ivory Coast. Uh, that's from last to first this this time around, which is not what many yeah. people would have predicted. In fact, uh, what neither of us predicted happened. Uh, yeah, because both AJ and I said Algeria should easily win this group. That did not come anywhere close to happening. They had this is the most disappointing team without a doubt of this tournament. It doesn't yeah. matter what happens in any of the other rounds. Even if Senegal gets eliminated, like in the round of sixteen. They won't be as disappointing as Algeria has been. Uh, Algeria won the last AFCON. They just won the the Arab Cup a couple months exactly. ago, and here they are, uh, be- getting a goal in the very last twenty minutes of this group stage, and not getting you know any wins at all. Like that's that's embarrassing. Yeah, it it was just bad. Uh, this is a star studded team. Like actually, they they have so many well known names. They've got Saeed Ben Rama. They've got Riyad Mahrez. Uh, yeah, like these, these are big players. These are players who do very well. They even have the the reigning young player of the tournament for Afcon in Ismail Benasser. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I said that right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it it just didn't come off for them. You know, they drew against Sierra Leone. 
uh, fine. Yeah, whatever. Not, like Sierra Leone, not the greatest of teams necessarily, but still a draw is fine. Lost to Equatorial Guinea. Uh, bad. Yeah, very bad. You know, they, they just could not get anything to anything to go right. They had seven shots in this, but still were outshot in terms of shots on target. Uh, then the final group game, if they if they won this one, they would have gone through. But Ivory Coast kind of crushed them. Uh, Destroyed yeah. them, yeah. Three to one. Kessier, Sangare, Pepe uh, all scored. And tellingly enough, uh, no no goal involvements from their big names really like Mares yep. and Ben Rama blanked in fact Mares missed the penalty, penalty. Yeah. like th- yeah. this was a this was just a bad performance all around from Algeria like this 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 might drop them quite a few rankings in FIFA in FIFA's next ranking I'm, oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie like they're they're going to drop out of the top 30 in all likelihood with this uh-huh. and not to mention that going into this tournament they had one of the longest unbeaten streaks in yeah, international they 34 games they, they could have broken a record for it if they if they had gone all the way through to this tournament and made it to the final they would have broken records for unbeaten streaks in games but instead they get crushed like they, this this is the most disappointing team of afcon yeah absolutely and to me when i when i look at this and i look at what happened they just scored one goal i, I think i think their manager couldn't adapt and fix anything and reading what a lot of algerian fans are saying a lot of this can be placed down on just like with ghana arrogance i, I think uh, their head coach uh belmadi i think a lot of the media i think a lot of their players were expecting them to roll forward not having to try doing what they have done before but obviously the ivory coast especially have figured their game out and it shows that just because you have a good team with good players that doesn't necessarily translate to on the field success as a team and I had them as my favorite to win this entire tournament that ended up crashing and burning. And I, I feel like most people also had them as favorites because this should be a team that on paper does well. But if the managers cannot get the teams to co- really be cohesive, then it's obviously going to fall apart. Credit to the Ivory Coast. I, I think that they played very yep. well, especially against against Algeria. But Sebastian Allaire, uh, Pepe, even have played very well for the ivory coast i think you had them as your underdog yeah pick, right? because uh everyone was saying you know they're this team they just missed out on qualifying to the world cup for the second time in a row uh they're not going to do anything big this tournament they're they're going to do right. okay but they're not don't expect them to be anywhere near contenders they topped this group seven points mm-hmm. they they had a, an interesting draw against sierra leone they gave up a really late goal uh, for for that to happen, but uh, still like solid tournament, you know, uh, good good win against Equatorial Guinea to start things off, and of course that destruction of Algeria was just massive for them. Uh, so yes, it will be interesting because their next match is up again is probably the most interesting. I'm, I'm going to say of the round of sixteen matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Ivory Coast versus Egypt definitely going to be something to watch. And then also Sierra Leone, one of the most heartbreaking stories of AFCON, honestly. They drew their first two games, really impressive draws to their goalkeeper in the first game against Algeria, uh, Mm -hmm. Mohamed Kamara. What a performance. Seven saves 
in a single game. Really fantastic stuff from him. He's only like 23 as well, which makes it even more impressive. Good draw against Ivory Coast. Good, good fight back to do that. And their last game against Equatorial Guinea. They get a penalty in the 85th minute. And they, they can even, they can equalize here. And they can, and if they equalize and hold out, they go to the knockout rounds because they'll have a goal differential of zero uh, and they'll be above uh, other teams like Comoros, for example. Kai Kamara, MLS legend, steps up to take the penalty. Gets saved. And to make matters worse, 90th minute, they get a red card too. Just fully closing the door shut on their chances. Really sucks for them. Really sucks for for it to have ended that way in such a heartbreaking fashion. When yeah. literally it was on, it was at their fingertips, like mm-hmm. getting to the knockout round. Sucks for Kai Kamara yeah. too, because after the game, the police actually had to go guard his house because Sierra Leone Oof. fans were fully prepared to attack it uh, after he missed the penalty. Oh, so, yeah, Jack, do you want to take us to Group F, the final group of Afcon? Yeah, Group F. Uh, interesting stuff for about three of the teams. I'll give a quick mention to Mauritania. Good job for being there. Uh, you really yeah. were there. They, they, uh, scored zero goals, conceded seven. Yeah. That, that's, that's all I'll say. Good job for being there, guys. Uh, next up we had Tunisia, which, you know, uh, I, I, we, we both went into this thinking these are the clear favorites to win this group. Did not happen for them. They they uh, they beat Mauritania, good for them. Uh, but then they lost both their other games, one to zero. And this is a top thirty ranked FIFA team too. Like this, they they easily should have done very well in this in this group. But it just didn't happen for them. Uh, I I'm not really sure about why everything went wrong. But you know they they were in the they were in the final of the Arab Cup last year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these players that were playing for them were playing in that final as well, because it, it, it is a lot of domestic based players that that they have on this team. But it just didn't come off for them. It, it, it didn't go well. Uh, and yeah, they, they, they finished third in their group. They did make it through to the knockout rounds, thanks to uh, beating up Mauritania, basically. And then we've got Mali, who did top this group. Goal differential of plus three. Uh, good performances throughout. Uh, they drew against Gambia uh, and then beat Tunisia on the first game day and uh, beat Mauritania. Pretty solid stuff from them. I'm, I'm not sure if there if there's anyone specifically to highlight. Yves uh, Basumo has been pretty good uh, in, in this tournament. But the big the big standout player for them, I believe, would be Ibrahima Kone, who is who's yeah, been th- th- three penalties scored, yep. three penalties uh, given to him, yep. pretty good. Uh, pen merchant, but he, they'll 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 <laughs> take it anyway. Uh, so they they make it through to the to the knockouts. Uh, pretty pretty good performance for them. Uh, all but one of their goals came from penalties, but you know you don't really care how how they come. Sometimes the goal the goals, but you'll take them anyway for for that. So mm-hmm. uh, good for them. But the big story and the best story from Afcon, I think at least is Gambia because before right. this we were like yeah they they they'll probably they might finish like third but I don't I'm not sure if they'll get to the knockouts I said they would I'm not sure if you said they were making it through to the knockouts I did too yeah you did okay but we 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 didn't expect them to emphatically make it to the knockouts mm-hmm. as they did 
really, really impressive stuff from them. Beating Tunisia, beating Mauritania, uh, and that draw against Mali as well with a last-minute penalty. Really good stuff from them. This is their first time at AFCON, and they've really shown up big. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very interesting group. I'm really glad Gambia made it through because they were one of my underrated picks that I really wanted to go far. So, yeah, all in all, very interesting group stage. Looking forward towards the knockout round, we've already had two matches played. Burkina Faso uh, beat uh, Gabon on penalties to go on to the quarterfinals, where they'll be facing the winner of Nigeria and Tunisia, which ended up being Tunisia in a pretty close 1-0 win. Uh, they will be playing on the 29th of January in the quarterfinals. Uh, and they'll be playing uh, the winner of the opposite quarterfinal to them. Uh, we don't know those teams yet because it's going to be either Senegal or Cape Verde or Mali and the Equatorial Guinea. I think, you know, Senegal and Cape Verde, we've already highlighted that a little bit. I think Senegal do have the talent to make it potentially all the way to the semifinal given that they are probably better miles better than Cape Verde, Mali, or Equatorial Guinea. Mali versus Equatorial Guinea, I think, will be an interesting match given uh, how Mali topped their group a pretty a pretty well. Uh, and yeah, on the complete other side of the bracket, we have Guinea versus Gambia. I'm very interested to see how that plays out because I think that Gambia has, you know, all the possibility to make it forward and make it to the quarterfinals. And they'll be playing the winner of Cameroon and Comoros. Comoros, oddly enough, have had 12 COVID cases within their squad, including all three of their goalkeepers. And that's oh, levied. Yeah, uh, allegedly, th there may be some talks of uh, some shady business there. I have no idea if that's true or not. Either way, that kind of sucks for the debutantes too. Against the the hosts against the favorites also be missing a goalkeeper and potentially have to field an in an outfield player in goal against Cameroon and mm. Abubakar. That's going to be very very scary. Yeah, I'm sure that would go well. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And and as Jack was saying, the probably the biggest match of this round of sixteen, Ivory Coast versus Egypt. Jack predicted Ivory Coast to be the underdog, and they. Predicted Egypt to be the most disappointing team, so either you know both those predictions are true or none of them. So hopefully, yeah. for Jack's sake, Ivory Coast can get the win there. But a lot is to be seen in that match, and that they will be facing the winner of Morocco versus Malawi, which I think Morocco should win. But again, with Afcon, anything can happen. All right, that is our uh, big Afcon group stage review. And so at the conclusion of the tournament, we won't look at the group stage anymore. We'll look at the, uh, you know, the, the knockout rounds and really review the, the tournament from there. All right, Jack, do you happen to have a, a, a trivia section for us or shall we move on to our next round? I don't, but I did want to highlight um, sure. a cool article that was sent to me. Right. Yeah, you told me uh, about this. So let, let me quick pull that up. You know, uh, listeners might know that I am a pretty big fan of statistics uh i'm in political science as well and of course mm -hmm. i'm a fan of soccer so i was looking for an article for a research class and i came across an article that was released last june june 2021 uh titled can exposure to celebrities reduce prejudice the effect of mohammed salah 
on Islamophobic behaviors and attitudes, which, you know, is really interesting. And this article is looking entirely about, you know, uh, Islamophobia and uh, uses data on hate crime reports in England and specifically focusing on the area around Liverpool to see if there was any effect by having such a high profile, well-respected and appreciated, uh, you know, Muslim in, in, in the, in the, in the spotlight in Liverpool. And what they found is that hate crimes in the Liverpool area, specifically hate crimes involving Islamophobia dropped by 16% compared with the rest of the, of the country as a whole, which, you know, I, 16% doesn't seem like necessarily a lot, but uh, in, in a lot of these research articles and in a lot of research in general, you don't see effects this big with just one person. So it shows, uh, you know, how big of an impact Mo Salah is having and just how big of an impact uh, celebrities like this and soccer players can have by just being in, in, in the spotlight like this. It, it's really impressive to see this sort of the, this sort of thing. And, you know, uh, it, it actually there, there was research shown in this uh, using a survey experiment that positive feelings towards Mohammed Salah were associated with more positive feelings towards Muslims and people who pra- practice Islam in general, which is kind of interesting to think about. And uh, taught and there's a lot of stuff in political science literature about this sort of stuff uh, and how and how people think about uh, different groups of people based off of celebrities and people they respect. AJ, do you, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm not sure if, if you read the article at all, but yeah, I actually read the article back when it came out. Cause it was posted all over like the, the r slash soccer subreddit. But the thing that I always come back with, with this article is it's really cool that Saul was able to do this. But when you look at the inverse relationship where bad performances from Muslim yes. or black yeah. players or any player in general that's an outgroup player that also leads to uh, dangerous implications for people of that same group. I, I look towards, I, I'm, I'm not a researcher, so I'm going with, with uh, evidence that I've seen uh, happen just for my own eyes as of recently. But whenever a black player, particularly in England, and we know like the events that usually have led to discrimination, especially after the Euro tournament, you know, with with Rashford, uh, Saka, and all of them, what it sometimes leads to is people taking out that anger on other black players and other Muslim players, and there, there's that infamous chant, "You're not uh, not one of us" or whatever that English fans will chant if uh, a black player ends up missing a penalty or doesn't perform well for the club. So I, I think that paper is really interesting, and I'd love to have them investigate even further even the inverse relationship of mm-hmm. this because it, it's kind it kind of sucks that in order to reduce prejudice against muslims you have had to have a generational talent on your favorite favorite soccer team to view muslims as equal kind of yeah. crazy to me i'd love to see the research there you're you're right though uh, anecdotally like that that inverse relationship certainly exists and uh you know <laughs> we see it all the time it so it it definitely should have some more research done. I think there's a lot of interesting things that you could uh, continue researching with this sort of stuff. And, you know, comparing maybe Salah's performances to um, Arsenal fans and El Neni 
right? Because sure. you know that Arsenal fans are not a big fan of him. Uh, but it, it would be interesting to see how that would how how that plays out differently. Because I think you're definitely right on that. That there's probably something with that. But it, it, it's I, I like to focus on the positives sometimes and things. Yeah. But you're right that it is incredibly sad and disappointing that it takes literally a once in a lifetime talent to come <laughs> along for discrimination against Muslims to reduce by 16 percent. Yeah. Like it, it makes you think like what would you what what kind of player would have to I uh, would have to exist for it to go down to nothing. All right. Let's move on to the next story going over some of the big matches that have happened in this past week. Starting off with uh, Athletic Club versus Barcelona, uh, Bilbao actually beating Barcelona 3-2 in this Copa del Rey round of 16. And I think Athletic Club were just better. Nico and Enoch Williams were very good. Munien had two goals, which was huge, including the icer in the 105th plus one minute penalty kick to win it 3-2. We had Ferran Torres and Pedri scoring for Barcelona. So, you know, a good amount of youngsters in there uh, contributing to Barcelona and funnily enough some of the older veterans Busquets and Danny Alves assisting those two goals but obviously it is disappointing that Barcelona have bowed out of yet another tournament after losing to Real Madrid in the Supercopa uh, de Espana just this past week and so now their only real chance of getting silverware is by winning in Europe and not the Champions League the Europa League <laughs> So, Jack, at this point, should we be disappointed with Barcelona or 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 should we kind of accept that they're in full rebuild mode and just have, you know, lower expectations a bit for this team? No, it's absolutely all right to be disappointed with them because they've been playing like garbage and below their expectations. Uh, Like, take a look at the game today as well. They they played against Deportivo Alavis, 19th place in the table. Uh, their lineup included, you know, Frankie Dion, Sergio Busquets, Pedri, Ferran Torres, Jordi Alba, uh, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, Pique, Serginio Dest, uh, Luke Dion, and Ronald Araujo. Y- you know, the only non-major player that was playing was, I'm, I'm not going to try and pronounce it, uh, young Moroccan winner, um, Azel a- Azel Zuli? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I I was going to mess that up probably. <laughs> but uh, either way, like this is a strong team that they fielded against Deportivo Lavas. Took an 87th minute goal for them to beat them. And, it, and it's not and it's not because like uh, and it's not like they were they were trying all game and were really getting close to it. They only had four shots on target. It, it's not like it's not like they, they were peppering the goal with shots. They they were just bad they they and uh they they're performing way below expectations you know i it it's it's understandable that if messi leaves you're going to drop off a little bit but the fashion of the drop off has been unreal uh mm-hmm. you know the, the you from like uh all of the barcelona fans who are like oh uh we're, we're we just we're rebuilding now it, it it's it's going to be a little bit of work to get back up to it but in reality like you still have a team that should beat probably 90 to 95% of, of the teams in La Liga and in Spain in general. 
So the fact that it, it's been this disappointing just says a lot uh, about Barcelona. And sure, maybe Xavi taking over has something to do with it. But I, if I'm being completely honest, I can't say that the results that Barcelona have gotten with Komen and without Komen are all that better. Like, there's still some pretty embarrassing losses in there mm-hmm. uh, and some unconvincing wins. So I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not completely convinced that uh, that they're they're so much better off without Komen. Yeah, I mean, you say like they should still be doing well. Komen, no Komen, Chavi, no Chavi players or whatever. You listed out those names of players. And if we weren't having this conversation, I'd be like, oh, that's a bad team because like no offense. I, 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 I'm not surprised that they are doing badly. And, and maybe maybe I'm, I'm too harsh on Barcelona or maybe I'm too much on Barcelona's side. But Busquets, PK, especially Jordi Alba, they're, they're not doing Barcelona any favors. Ter Stegen has some good games, but obviously not doing them any, favor, any favors. And then that's the starting 11. You look at Barcelona's bench and you, you, you tell me, like, who's the game changer there? Is it, is it Danny Alves? Sure, he's good, but he's also ancient. Is it, is it Puig? <laughs> is, it, is it Braithwaite? Is it Jukla? I mean, a lot of young players, but still, you know, Memphis Depay is, is injured. Ansu Fadi got injured once again. I think that's the biggest story coming out of, of that Copa del Rey match. He, he's their number 10. And he's supposed to be leading them to to victory. A- after coming back from injuries, a couple of games later, re-injures his. I- I'm I'm forgetting what he actually uh, injured, but you know is his proximal tendon, right? Huge injuries for for this youngster. And you have other players that are are getting injured. Pedri took a knock. You have uh, Gavi now suspended, and now you have all these other issues mounting. Not only do they have do they have bad luck with injuries and what have you? I I just don't think that their squad is really good to begin with. So uh, I I am disappointed because Barcelona are supposed to be good and maybe like just by their name they're supposed to be doing better. But I I I can't think of of any world where they would challenge for La Liga with this backline with 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 this young of players supposed. To, supposedly bringing them glory it's it just doesn't work in my mind i suppose no i i agree like they they i they don't necessarily need to be challenging for la liga with this team but the the results that they've gotten surely they should be doing better like a 1-1 draw with granada surely they can do better than that a 1-0 a 1-0 loss over deportivo lavas even with this team right like the team that they fielded against granada isn't bad like they 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 fielded a decent team uh out there and even the one against Alavis was better frankie dion and pedri like you honestly can you can you tell me that that is a bad midfield duo no right? I, I, like, I can't i, I but, think but that that's a pretty them? good it's midfield Busquets. duo Who, right? But 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 who's in front of them? It's it's Luke De Jong and a very young Azizuli. I, I I don't know. No, like, you're, I, you're right. You're right. I, I'm not trying to. You're, you're I, right. On, you're <laughs> I'm not trying to to make excuses. And in fact, I, I'm lambasting them further. I think this is just a uh, a not well built well built team 
thanks in part to Bartomeu just completely screwing them. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think we can agree on that. Anything that they that that has gone wrong, it can mostly be tracked back to him. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, a a happier story, I guess. A, a bad team doing kind of well now. It's Norwich City beating Wofford three to zero, thanks in large part to American Josh Sargent, who scored. One of the craziest debut goals or first goal in the Premier League that you can ever score, like a, a kind of scorpion kick. Uh, thanks from Pookie, I believe, is, is the one who yep. assisted him yep. on that. It was. Uh, looked like it was an accident. Looked like he just threw up a, a foot in the air in a desperation, but he scored that goal, scored another goal. You know, since and since he became a dad, he's forced an own goal. Now he scored two goals. He needs to pump out more kids so he can just like become a ball on door winner, man. Like crazy, crazy, crazy. And now North City are above the relegation line, albeit with the bottom three in the Premier League all having games in hand. But this is the first time that they have ended the day above the line since October 4th, 2019, 840 days ago. Yes, it was against Watford, who are also relegation (laughs) fodder. But at the same time, you know, good three points, good three goals. Jack, in your mind, can Norwich survive the drop or is this just a flash in the pan for them? No, they can stay up. Um, you know, hiring Dean Smith as manager, I think when it, when it first was announced, I was like, that's crazy. You know, that that that's that seems like a dumb idea. But I, I can't deny that he's been doing pretty well. Uh, you know, there have been some disappointing results here and there, but he got them a draw with Wolves. Uh, got him a draw with Newcastle, important stuff. Uh, got him a win over Southampton. I believe that was him in charge there. Uh, it was that. That was that was in fact his first game in charge. Got only lost to Man U one to zero. Not too bad. Uh, the win over Everton is good. Win over Watford, impressive win over Watford. Re- really good stuff. Like Dean Smith, theoretically can do what he did with Aston Villa in the nineteen twenty season. Mm-hmm. with Norwich like he he can save Norwich uh you know if if Sargent and Pookie can keep up what they were doing in the I mean not necessarily saying that Sargent has to score two goals every game and Pookie yeah. needs to assist every game but if they can keep up those sort of performances where they are contributing positively to attacking play Norwich can stay up mm-hmm. they they can it will will it be difficult yes but I, I I'm I'm looking at some at some of their games. They've got a bit of a rough period coming up, the beginning of February, where they play City and Liverpool right after each other. Uh, but then they've got games against Southampton, Brentford, Leeds, uh, game in, uh, against Chelsea in there. But the the rest of their schedule isn't that bad after February. So I could see them staying up. If I'm being honest, I think Norwich might be on better form than West Ham United. Because West Ham lost to Manchester United 1-0 this past weekend. And just to review it, uh, from my end, as a West Ham fan, very, very sad. United, and I mean Manchester United when I say that, uh, didn't get too many great chances of the 15 that they had. Only one can be defined as like clear-cut and big. But I, I think Rangnick is getting to them. I-, I think that this is kind of a sign that it's going towards the right direction Yes, it took a very last-minute goal to win it, but they dominated in XG and shots taken because of what they did without the ball. Really, this United team fought. They beat West Ham in duels won, tackles succeeded, aerials won. They completely bossed them in that middle third, which I think 
is very good signs for United against a top six contender. Obviously, the three points against them doesn't hurt as well. And the reason why I say it's disappointing for West Ham is because it was just a one to zero win, a uh, win for United. Very, very close. And it was Marcus Rashford that scored, and he just cannot keep getting away with this. He scored in stoppage time past the 90th minute, and this is he. This is the fourth time he scored a winner in stoppage time, which is the most <laughs> of any player in this competition. Like that is how good he is in stoppage time. He obviously hasn't been on great form, but this is absolutely a- amazing confidence to instill in him going ahead for United. So very, very good things for Manchester United uh, coming away from this. You get a confident attacker back on form, and you also get some signs of life from this Ragnick team. But for West Ham United, I, I, I think this is also indicative of where we have been. David Moyes has still never won a Premier League match as a visiting manager at United, Arsenal, Chelsea, or Liverpool ever and he's been around for almost two decades in the top flight so if that tells you anything about how he views this these away matches against big teams yeah i mean a draw would have been fine i would have been pretty happy with a draw against a top six contender away at their home ground so the obvious strategy in the 90th plus minute is to use the subs and kill the game off but he didn't do that we've only made one sub and that was the 74th minute he also plays extremely conservatively against big teams away from home, whether it be United, Liverpool, Chelsea. I feel like every time that they play a top six side, it's the same story. Walk in, let them have the ball, and hope for the best. Yet West Ham, even with our injuries, even with our lack of depth, are still good enough to try and show some desire and maybe squeak a goal in. You know, that's fine if you're 2-0 up, if you're 1-0 up even. But when it's 0-0 and you're already kind of like, like, poop housing your way to a a result and it's like the fourth minute like what's going on there and i think it also shows that we desperately need new replacements other than vlasic if you look at our bench it's bad there wasn't a single game changer other than vlasic that we had available on the bench and everyone because of that looked mentally fatigued like there's just so many so much pressure on our starting level 11 to perform every single game for 90 minutes And that's just not sustainable. So good job to Manchester United. You were, unfortunately for us, the better United out of this team. I just hope that January, before, you know, eight days from now when the window closes, we can maybe get an actual replacement and backups for some of these players. I don't know. Jack, I don't know if you watched this game or what you have any thoughts about this at all. I I could actually see after this season, Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who were being hailed as some of the best fullbacks in the league last season being like out of this team. Yeah. Because Diogo Dallo and Alex Tellez looked are, incredible in this game. They're pretty good. They're pretty yeah. good. <laughs> they, it, it turns out that they just needed a manager that was competent and not only Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> that that's, that's about it. Uh, so I, I'm going to be interested to see what happens there because uh, you know, Luke Shaw this season has been not good, um, to say the very least. Uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, same kind of case, but I, I, I'm, I've, I've been kind of impressed with Manchester United. I still think that uh, they, they do have some locker room issues that could 
kill any momentum this team has. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see how that plays out. All right. Well, let's talk about Chelsea a little bit more, Jack. Why don't you review Chelsea's pretty comprehensive win uh, against a Tottenham that really elevates them maybe back in the top two conversation, not top, not top one, but at least challenging Liverpool for that spot. Yeah. Uh, AJ, you want to quick read my name for uh, for on the Zoom call for the listeners at home there? Yes, Jack's Zoom name right now is Ziesh for Ballon d'Or. Yes, that that's that that's what the, this this man he repaid every single euro, every single pound, every single dollar, whatever <laughs> currency they used to complete that transaction. Yeah. With that goal, that performance against Tottenham this this time around, ah, if you if you didn't watch this game, you missed out on one of the most quality goals. Uh, th- this weekend was just good for Absolutely. good looking goals, honestly. Uh, Ziyech's goal in the 47th minute, you know, Chelsea were dominating Spurs after the first half, didn't quite break through. Uh, you know, it, it was very visible that Mason Mount got a rest, uh, in the game beforehand. Like it was so clear. He looked amazing. Uh, one of, one of his best performances of the season, Jorginho looked great in the center of the park was controlling things well. And it's all because Chelsea switched to a back four and allowed for them to have three midfielders. So they could beat Tottenham in the center of the park. And it really showed because Tottenham were not able to get control of this game for the entire first half. Mm-hmm. They put one shot on target in the first half. Well, kind of two, uh, but Harry Kane is a dirty cheater and fouled Tiago Silva by shoving him over and uh, then shooting into a ne- into the net. Uh, but Hakim Ziyech in the 47th minute, getting back to where I was going to go, he Gets a, He gets a ball across from Callum Hudson-Odoi, who did some beautiful dribbling to get past uh, Yafet Tanganga. You know, I, I, I'm not sure how much of the goal you saw in the build-up to it, but mm-hmm. Callum Hudson-Odoi deserves a lot of credit for that dribbling that he did there. And then he drives inside uh, in, into, the, into the middle of the pitch, passes it across to Ziyech. He takes one touch and then curls it, curls the shot over everyone, Lloris doesn't even try and save it because he, he thinks it's going over, but it dips literally perfectly, dinks off the crossbar, and then into the post, and then in. It, it, is, it was a beautiful goal. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I've seen a better-looking goal uh, like it, in, in every game I've watched. It was just fantastic. And, of course, it wouldn't be a good Chelsea performance without a defender scoring because, uh, fun fact, after Thiago Silva's goal... Uh, today, that was the 15th goal in the Premier League for Chelsea, scored by a defender. So a lot of this team's attacking threat comes from the back. Thiago Silva gets ahead of everyone, uh, literally gets in between, I believe it's Davinson Sanchez and Eric Dyer perfectly, and just gets enough on it to shoot it past Lloris. Great header, great goal from him, uh, justifying his place in my team of team of the midseason so far right there uh yeah really good stuff it it was just a and a great delivery from mason mount as well which now takes him to 13 goal involvements this season you know he he's really showing why he's one of england's best talents a really really good result there uh and now they're one point behind liverpool liverpool still have two games to play to be fair to them but uh Right now, as it stands, the only team that could catch up to Chelsea with their games in hand is Tottenham because they have four games in hand right now. Yeah, it will it'll be it'll be interesting to see. But I think that Chelsea uh, are 
close to a lock for a top four spot. Right. Yeah. I I, I would say uh, to, as well that they are, are a lock. Still not very convinced that Chelsea are going to be necessarily contenders on the European stage, given the kind of struggles that they have had. But, you know, again, anyone could beat anyone, I suppose. All right, let's let's go from uh, one North London team struggling to another one. It's Arsenal versus Burnley. 0-0 draw, and now Arsenal have scored zero goals in four consecutive matches in all competitions for the first time since 2005. And I know that they're missing some players due to COVID or the international break. But, you know, you look at their team, and you still have an attack of Martinelli, Smith-Rowe, Odegaard, Saka, and Lacazette, and you can't get a goal out of them? Like, to me, that's on squarely Arteta. Yes, they need a good number nine, but if you can't get a goal out of that attack for four matches in a row, when will you? Jack, I know I've always parroted the fact that Arteta needs to go, but where do you stand on Arteta out? Because a lot of Arsenal fans, for some reason are still defending them, Reed being one of them, one of our uh, friends. What, what do you think about Arteta? Should he, you know, be on that hot seat right now? I mean, I, w- I was talking to Reed after, uh, like, earlier today about this okay, because I, w- okay. I was interested in hearing about his thoughts on Arsenal. And, I, I mean, I, I, I think I get the argument for it because Arsenal have put up some good results this season. There have been yeah. some disappointing ones, to be sure. But good, there have been good ones nonetheless, you know, uh, good performance to beat West Ham, for example, uh, mm-hmm. good performance against Leeds, Southampton, Norwich, uh, against you, Leicester. I, you, I, but as saying, I'm going through uh, yeah. the, against Tottenham, that that was a good one as well. OK, well, yeah. Tottenham, sure, whatever. West Ham were down to 10 men and then all of those other play, like teams were teams that are either well below them or even relegation teams. Yeah, here, here's, here's the main thing, though. They're, they, unlike, uh, you know, some other teams that we've talked about, like Barcelona, who are kind of on the hinge of if they're fully in a rebuild phase or not, are, Arsenal definitely are, and they have been for a little bit. And honestly, Arteta has been decent for no. a squad that is, that's rebuilding. For a squad that is rebuilding and is and you know is missing some players here and there, uh, I think the big miss that that you're uh, that you're forgetting is Takahiro Tomiyasu, who sure. has who's been out for a while and he he's been very good and I don't think it it's a coincidence that the games the losing streak and the goalless streak that they've been on has come without him in the in the squad. Uh, I, I think I think that that kind of shows shows how important he's become to this team. Uh, they also played Ben White out of position for this game. They had to play him as a right back because are you really going to trust Cedric Suarez or Callum Chambers as, at right back? I I think I think Arteta deserves time. I I think he deserves until the end of the season. If if he fails to get any European competition, like. I, I'm I'm I, I think any European competition is the right word. It, it's it, it's it's difficult. Like uh, if if he gets like conference league, I'm not sure how big of an accomplishment that really is. But uh, if he misses out on that, then yeah, you you can you can consider letting him go. But he he's done decently for them. You know, he's won them he's won them a, a, a trophy in his time with the club. 
in the FA Cup. He's done he's done decently along the way. I I think that he does deserve some opportunities to stay there. And it's not like, you know, they 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 weren't trying in this game against Burnley. They had 20 shots in, yeah. in, the, in well, this the, game. That, that's not supposed to be a pause. That's that's another indictment on Arteta. Like I I think I I, I think it's an indictment on on their attack and how how badly they need a new striker. That's yeah. that's the big thing. Striker no stri- striker, uh players out or no players out, they should be doing better. And this is what I, this is why I think Arsenal their situation is different from Barcelona's cuz with with Barcelona, that is years of mismanagement. Of course they'll do badly. Like like even if they have good players, the like the entirety of their structure is just bad. Arsenal, yes, they're in rebuilding mode, but they should be doing better than this. Like, like fundamentally, they are not in like a worse place as a club than Barcelona are. They're, they're, it's just, it's just completely night and day the direction of the where these clubs are going. And Arsenal, as a whole, if they had the right manager, could could be playing better. You, you, you say like, oh, they need a striker. They still have Martinelli, Odegaard. Uh, Sokka, ESR, all these really, really good players, and you can't get a goal out of them in four games. You haven't gotten a win since December 26, 2021. Your best wins are against your arch rivals, and then it's a whole bunch of Newcastle, Southamptons, and Norwich cities. And and h- how much more time does Arteta deserve if he's been building this project that has been in in building mode for the past couple seasons like like trusting the process only works if the process leads to good outcomes but i i have not seen anything from arteta i've always said that their players and their like foundation is really good i've seen fundamentally nothing from arteta that shows me that he can actually bring a high outcomes which is top four which is premier league which is like european success FA Cup or not, like, like, who cares? Arsenal are going to win FA Cups. They, they are a, a good top six team. They're going to be in that conversation. But to me, like, a sign of a good top six manager is continuously elevating them. And Arsenal have been in this spot since twenty, since before they even fired Arsene Wenger. And everything they do, every manager they brought in, has just been more of the same. So. I don't I, I don't know. Like you got to make a change somehow. So. I I think he deserves time. I really I really do think it. Uh because Absolutely not. like they're 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 two they're two games in hand. They've got two games in hand, right? They they could theoretically be in the top 4 with one more game. Like they they are a game away from being in the top 4. Uh so I I feel like and even if they if they had beaten Burnley today, they would be in the top 4. Yeah, so but they didn't. They didn't beat Burnley. Yeah, and uh, I mean sometimes that happens, you know. Or like, uh, because because Chelsea couldn't beat Brighton, for example, or uh, because they they uh, you know they they couldn't beat Wolves or Everton, right? I I I I'm not going to say like Tuchel needs to go because uh, you know that that the fact that they didn't score and they didn't and they didn't win that game. Uh, automatically makes him bad. I think Arteta has done some good things, and I think some of the players he's brought in have been really good. Uh, that and 
a lot of that comes down to his coaching. You know, I, I do think that he is good and I think he deserves time to do things because our, one of Arsenal's biggest mistakes in past years has been not giving managers time or backing them. You know, they're finally backing a manager to some extent with Arteta. So I think that they, that they should give him some time, you know, Unai Emery, for example, I, I don't think he was all that bad for Arsenal. I think he was playing okay, you know, and he, he was getting them on the right track after Arsene Wenger left. I, I think that, that he was doing pretty well, but he didn't get backed and he got fired. I, I really think that, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I hate most about Chelsea is how they don't give managers time, like ever. Uh, I, I think that Arsenal need to give a manager time to, at, to you know, really transform this team. Because if you look at the team from 2019-2020 when Arteta took over and the team now, it's a lot different and it is better. Like, I, I, I so I, I think he, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm out here defending Arsenal this hard, but I, I feel like it's deserved. I, I he, he's on track to potentially get a, a two year contract renewal. And A, I think it's early to do that before the season even ends. And B, even if they do keep him, I, I, I just really, I, I really don't like, his direction yes they are improving but when you look at every single match you, you mentioned like he does do good things i i would not put that on him as much as just the players doing very well and i know a, a lot of arsenal fans like to defend him and like to look at, at those wins as being signs of progress but i i think any decent manager can get those same results but then you look at his results against United, even Everton, who are not good, all the other big teams, and it just hasn't stacked up. Like, we say trust the process. We say back the manager. He's been there since 2019. And th they have built in the right direction a lot. But I think even beyond this season, if you want to look there, next season, if they're not even close to leveling up, like they have been for the past couple seasons, not leveling up, then it's not going to be about them missing players. They do back him. They've given him so much transfer money to play with in this window, in the last window. When do we say that the process is over and that results need to come? Like, like this is an Arsenal team that historically has done well and needs to be challenging for silverware beyond the FA Cup, which is where they've been for the past decade like like it, i i just don't i just don't agree with with him leading this team to a, a good direction beyond what his players have brought him All right I don't know. I, what one last question for you before we wrap this up since we're since we're getting a little bit long yeah, on, yeah. on the episode but if arsenal with arteta finish in the top four does that change your assessment uh, of this if if like he if he does really well in the second half of the season gets them top four, uh, does that change anything? Well, I, I got a question for you. I'll answer your question with another question, Jack. Okay. <laughs> Did Frank Lampard making top four with Chelsea make, make him a good manager? Obviously not, right? Well, I, I mean, not not necessarily. He, I, I still think he did okay. Yeah, he in, did in okay, a lot of respects. yeah. And he did, and he did do, I, I stand by this, he did do a lot of things right and brought and put Chelsea in a good direction 
when it can when it comes to actually using youngsters because uh you like anyone who anyone who knows a lot of stuff about Chelsea knows that one of one of the things that they're not good at is recognizing young talent and then sending them yeah. elsewhere and then them transitioning to into world class players like i i still think that that Frank Lampard did do a lot of things that are that are good and that are and that still impact this Chelsea team to a positive extent today yeah but 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 jack did frank lampard win the champions league for chelsea no it, it was no. it was another manager it, 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 it was another it was another manager and and that shows that just because you find a good amount of success doesn't mean that you're necessarily the manager for the job arteta can get you the top four he can get you an fa cup but from what i've seen from him and what i've seen with what he's done with a very good arsenal squad he, I don't think he's the man for the job to really get Arsenal to the next level. I think that there are other managers out there. Can't name them off the top of my head. But exactly, that's the other thing. <laughs> what do you? Okay, okay, fine. <laughs> I, I, I think you know, screw, screw Spurs. Get Pochettino into into the Gunners, and I, I think that this team will absolutely transform itself. Get get a, a, any high high level manager, Eric Ten Hag, whatever, into this Arsenal team. And they will play infinitely times more better than Arteta is leading them right now. Even if he gets them into top four, you know, if they want to continuously do that, if they continuously want to challenge for Champions League, for the Premier League, go for top four as an expectation instead of a, a good season's reward, that I just don't think that Arteta is going to be that guy that will lead them to success. I, I just really don't think that top four should be an indication on whether or not we should lock in this manager for two years or so. I, I think a lot of this rests on, maybe not this season, but especially next season. Because I think next season is when the process needs to be finally fulfilled. I think I'll leave my rant about Arteta there. Anything else, Jack, before we wrap this up? Uh no, I can't believe I defended Arteta for so long. Though, I can't there. believe you did either. That that, I, that, that was. <laughs> I, I trust the process. That that's the last oh one I'll say. Gosh. That's it. I, I'm listeners. I'm convinced that Jack is just saying this so Arteta gets renewed because he knows that Chelsea will always beat Arteta and that's Arsenal. not even true though. Like, <laughs> that's not even true. <laughs> <I just edited. laughs> Well, listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, we were planning to do another transfer hot or not for the January window, but I think. A, this episode has gone pretty long because we did a very long review of AFCON. And B, I think it would be very fun to do one giant January wrap-up right after the transfer deadline. I think that would be a lot of fun going over the big transfers this window. And also go over, as as, uh, it approaches, the the CAF uh, preview where we have Egypt versus Senegal, Cameroon versus Algeria, the Congo versus Morocco, Ghana versus Nigeria, and Mali versus Tunisia. We will definitely preview that as it comes up, as well as the EFL Cup final that was just set this past week. But yeah, thank you guys for listening. Talked a lot about the big games and where teams are headed, either up or down. Arsenal, especially down. It should, you know, you know, fire Arteta. But nah. uh, we, we talked about that long enough. And also a very lengthy review about one of the best tournaments in the world that obviously goes uncovered to to too much in our uh modern soccer coverage so yeah jack if they want to learn more about afcon as it happens learn more about barcelona's woes chelsea's successes where can they find us on social media 
They can find us on social media at Final Third Show on Twitter or Instagram. Twitter is way more active because we're it's easy for us to share our thoughts quickly. Yes. Uh, about how ZH deserves the Puskas Award for a goal? Question mark. Sure. I maybe, guess. <laughs> maybe. Uh, and why Arteta is obviously the best manager that Arsenal will ever have. Uh, <laughs> and uh, why? I'll, I'll throw in one for you as well. Why David Moyes is is going to be uh, the person who gets West Ham Champions League football. Okay. All right. So I like check that. check it out on there. Uh, and we'll see you there. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun there. Again, listeners, I'm convinced that Jack is just acting. He, he's just d- double agent right now, wants nah. Arteta to stay. Ugh, whatever. Uh, yeah, falls on our, our website as well, finalthirdshow.com, if you want a central hub for all of our episodes and all the listening platforms that you can listen to us on. Seeking of those platforms, leave us a rating and review on whichever ones you use, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Those reviews help so much. We love reading them. We love seeing those five stars pop up on our feed. So go ahead and do that. We'll see you guys this Thursday for our deep dive episode talking about the U.S. men's national team. We didn't talk about that at all today, but that's because we're reviewing it on Thursday. And we'll see you guys same time, same place uh, next week for our news and predictions episode. Tell a friend about the show. Tell your dad about the show, and we'll see you there. See ya. Bye for now.